This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Got a big fight going on Saturday night right here in Las Vegas. Chris Prime, Time Colbert is going up against Hector Luis Garcia in a 12-round eliminator fight again right here in Las Vegas. And right now, Prime Time, Chris Colbert joins us on the phone lines. And Chris, thank you so much for your time. I just saw the final press conference. I saw the face-off. What is it like when you're standing there toe-to-toe knowing that, hey, in a couple days, in a, in a matter of a couple days and some hours, that's going to be my opponent in the ring? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, but um, I feel good. I, I mean, I'm ready to do what I do best, and that's winning, winning dominated fashion. Um, like I told him, I, I don't know what I'm going to do to him yet, how I'm going to spank his ass, but <laughs> I'm going to spank him tomorrow. I just don't know with what, what, where, where, what, uh, with what weapon. I like it. I like it a lot. And, you know, it's, it, this fight gets you one step closer. You come out with a dub like you're anticipating. This gets you one step closer to that world title. What would that mean to come out Saturday night with a victory to you? Um, to be honest, it's another day, another dollar for me. It's just a part of my legacy. Okay. All right, that's, that'll work. We're talking with Chris Primetime Colbert here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And, I mean, this guy is a southpaw. Does that change the way you prepare and, and, and train for this guy? Uh, to be honest, no. Um, I'm a southpaw. I'm an orthodox. I'm a up. I'm a down. I, I mean, I do it all. What can I, can, what can I not do? How did things change when the original fight was supposed to be against Gutierrez and then he had to drop out? How did that change, and were you disappointed by that? Um, I was a little disappointed, but uh, nothing really changed. Uh, same show, different opponent. You got to do what you got to do at the end of the day. You got to be able to adapt in tough situations like this. But um, that's what my middle name is, Christopher the Adapter Covert. So I ain't even worried. <laughs> I like it. The adapter, prime time, call what you, what you, what you want to. You're going to get it done. And how, I'm going to get what, it t- done, t- baby. Take us through what, what training is like for you. What, what, is, what is a typical training session like for you? Uh, we have two workouts a day, uh, and then I run in at nighttime, and and also relax. Uh, but I'm conditioning early, boxing after, and, and relax. And you're fourteen and zero. You've or sixteen and zero. Excuse me. You got a handful of knock. Yeah, let me get it right. You got sixteen, sixteen and zero. You got a handful of knockouts as well. Uh, what does it mean when you when you knock a guy out? How does that feel to you? Um, I, it just it don't feel no way to me because I never was known as a knockout puncher. But uh, right. um, it just showed the world that I got some type of pop. Right. No. Well, no doubt about it. And, and you got that, but you don't have to do that. You can go the distance if if you uh, you know need be. And and that's that goes back to that conditioning you talked about. I mean, this is a twelve round eliminator right now. So uh, how how important is it and critical is it for you to have that stamina and that conditioning? Um. One thing I can say, and one thing the world can say, is that y'all never see me get tired anyway. So I don't believe in. Uh, I don't worry about my conditioning. I'm in great shape every time I step in the ring. And uh, I, this ain't no eliminator. This is just a uh, replacement, to be honest, because I'm I supposed to be fighting for the belt. So I don't, I don't eliminators and me don't even get along. They don't even sound right. <laughs> I love you know, Chris. 
I love talking to fighters because the edge, you can hear the edge in your voice, and, and you got it. What, where, where did this come from? What, what made you become a fighter? Uh, I was born with this. I was born a fighter. I've been fighting my whole life, so this ain't nothing new. Just God just blessed me to take me out, keep me out of trouble and put me into a better situation to make money and uh, to change my family's life. I heard that. We're talking right now with Chris Colbert here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, Damon in the home studio. Go ahead, Damon. All right, Chris, so we already know super featherweight, 130. Do we see, can we see you move, maybe moving up to lightweight, 135? Because I know that that division stacked right now. 100% one day, but uh, right now I'm just focusing on what, what I got in front of me, and that's um, uh, this, this opponent I got in front of me. <laughs> Hector is a disappointment now? I said disappointed. disappointed. Oh, I thought he said disappointment. No, I was like, no, damn. No, no, no. no I don't disrespect like that. I got you. I got you. Okay, so so what should we know about your opponent, Hector Garcia? I don't know nothing about him, but I know he got two legs and a head, two legs and two arms and a head to hit, and I'm, I won't be missing much. I heard that. All right. Well, well, that works. Well, anyone that's listening that that plans on coming out Saturday night, uh, it's at the uh, the Cosmopolitan. What, what what should they expect to see from you? Uh, fire versus fire. He's undefeated. I'm undefeated. You know he's not coming to play. So, and I'm damn sure not coming to play. So expect some heat. Nice, nice. Go ahead, Debut. It's a little cold in Vegas anyway. So expect some heat. There you go. I like it. All right, Chris. So we know the training camp has been grueling. You know, really just got to cut down. But what's that favorite cheat meal for you? You know, once like once a fight's over, what's like what's like your favorite thing to eat? Like once you know that you done relaxed and got that win. Uh, that primetime chicken. <laughs> Yo, primetime chicken, where's that at? Uh, um, New Jersey, 185 Palisade Avenue, Garfield, New Jersey. Make sure you come check it out. Nice, nice. Any plans? Well, I don't want to put you ahead of yourself, but any plans for after the fight? You got anything you're going to be doing here in Vegas? Um, no, nah, to be honest, I'm just going to enjoy, enjoy the victory with my team and uh, relax. Nice. I love it. Well, Chris, a lot of folks will say that, you know, uh, you, you're so confident that they almost sometimes think that you're cocky. What would you tell them? Um, everybody got an opinion. It's like an asshole. We all have one, right? <laughs> so, um, for the people that know that I'm not a cocky person, I'm just confident and I believe in my abilities. And what me and my team has been working on since day one, since we first started boxing, um, people that know what uh, confidence is, they, they know that's what I am. Right. I love it. I really do, Chris. I, I enjoy talking to you. And, I, I, again, like I said, I enjoy talking to fighters because it's just you hear the personality. You hear, you know, where they come from and everything. And, and uh, just for you in general, what, what does it mean when you get in the ring, you, you, you win, and, and you put another notch underneath your belt, and you get ready to move on? What does that, what does that mean after a victory? Uh, just, uh, just continuing the legacy that um, basically that I, I'm working towards, like, uh, I already knew I was great. I knew I was great since I was born. I knew I was going to be something great. I didn't know what it was, but uh, God put it in front of me, and, and this is what it is. And nice. Now I just got to continue to do it. Well, I, I have no doubt that you're going to continue to do it. Before I let you go, uh, and again, I don't like to get too far ahead of myself, but uh, what's next? After fight, what's up next for you? Um, I'm going to get my title. There you go. There it is. Spoken by the man himself. That's Chris Prime Time Colbert. Hey, Chris, good luck Saturday night. We appreciate your time, brother. Thank you, brother. All right, there it goes. Chris Prime Time Colbert joining us today on Unnecessary Roughness going up against Hector Garcia Saturday night. Uh, Damon, what you know, man? You ready? Are you, are you pumped up? Are you in studio running, doing circles, getting your Rocky workout on? 
it ain't even that serious, you know. But you know, threw a couple of faint punches out there. You know, I'm, I'm a little fired up. You sound like you sound like you're kind of in fight mode right now. Always, always got to stay ready. <laughs> what do I'm, you know? What do you know about Chris Colbert? Oh, first off, that he's from Brooklyn. So I really, uh, if we could ask him one more question, it would have been like, does he want that big Madison Square Garden fight? Because oh. I know a lot of guys from New York. You know that that's like the mecca for them. Why'd you so, jump in there and say it? That I, you one. know, you know, maybe next time next win here okay all right well what'd you have to think about also uh, what um, do you think about what, what he had to say about opinions <laughs> that that was a funny one it's, it's real good that he's got that confidence but also someone else that's in that 130 range in this super featherweight is Shakur Stevenson you know won the Olympic gold medal yeah he, obviously you know he's tearing it up he's also undefeated I want to say 17 to know because he's he's been on record he said I will kill I would kill Shakur Stevenson to get the title so it's just like I don't know where the respect is there but, you know, he's letting it be known. Everybody in the division is on notice. Okay. Hey, man, I like it. I, I like that you bring the knowledge, the boxing, the fighting knowledge, the MMA knowledge, the UFC. That's not even my lane. But I, I could appreciate you, uh, you know, being being the, the leader of the, the pack in that one. So uh, good stuff right there, Damon. And thank you very much to Chris Colbert for joining us again. He fights Saturday night. Damon, do you have any plans Saturday night? None, actually. If, and this is a big if, and I'm saying it on air because I mean this in all sincerity, if I can get you a credential to the fight Saturday night, would you go? I'm in there like swimwear. Okay, I'm going to do the best I can to see what I can do, and uh, I know I've told you that a thousand times, but I'm working on that. Hopefully we make that happen and you're in there Saturday night. And you can get tickets if you want to go. Anyone who wants to go to the live event, Ticketmaster.com. Check it out today, Ticketmaster.com. Chris Colbert and Hector Garcia, they square off Saturday night. It's going to be championship boxing, Showtime championship boxing. He said it's not an eliminator. It's a 12-round eliminator. But I know he said it's not. But I ain't going to tell him that because he told me it's not. So there it is. (laughs) So many thanks to Chris Colbert and his camp for making that happen. Coming up next, as we continue, we roll on because this is a party that just does not stop on a day like today. We are rolling full steam ahead. Arif Hassan, he covers the Minnesota Vikings like a glove for the athletic. He'll join us to talk all things Kennedy Palomalu. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just had a very spirited conversation with Chris Primetime Colbert as he's fighting Hector Luis Garcia on Saturday night in a 12-round eliminator fight. But according to our text line, it says, I don't think it's considered an eliminator anymore because the original opponent isn't fighting. So thank you for that text. I do appreciate you. Thank you for the update. Right now on the phone lines as we turn our attention back to the NFL is Arif Hassan. He covers the Minnesota Vikings like a glove for the athletic. He does a great job. And uh, Arif, thank you so much for your time. Uh, As always, wanted to have you on to talk about Kennedy Palomalu. It's been reported that he's the new running backs coach for the Silver and Black. So uh, just off top, what can you tell us about Kennedy Palomalu? What kind of coach are the Raiders receiving? Yeah, Palomalu is a coach that really wants to focus on what players do well and kind of unlock that more than attempt to find ways uh, to get them to do everything. And so I think from that perspective, you know, he's done a pretty good job over the last five years with the Vikings, but he also has found ways to shore up some weaknesses for players. I think one of the biggest weaknesses they had uh, is that outside of Dalvin Cook, they didn't have a lot of players that were very good at identifying their pass protection keys, and he did a great job of teaching that. So he's both a teacher and an enabler, I think. That, that that's a that's a good thing right there, and it sounds like uh, that a lot of the players really could adapt to his coaching style, and that's something that I feel like is really important uh, in the in the business. Obviously, is to be able to adapt to to your players. So, would you say that that he's a, a pretty good leader of men? 
I, I'd say so. I think that kind of his understanding of the game lends itself pretty naturally to players um, kind of, you know, connecting with him. And, and, and he does a pretty good job of making sure that he commands everybody's attention um, and, and making sure um, that, you know, whatever his message is, it's getting across. And, I mean, he's been in the game for quite a while, going back to college, and obviously the NFL spent the last five seasons in Minnesota, and having Dalvin Cook helps. But as you mentioned, when he wasn't available, others would be uh, there to, to fill that void. Did you see an uptick in the, in, in the, rushing, in the rushing style and, and, and the way of the running backs there in Minnesota when he, uh, when he came aboard? Yeah, I, I think more it was just the, an uptick in the kind of ways that they could use running backs. I think that they had a, a larger diversity of running back styles after he started coaching more than they had, you know, increased production because, you know, unfortunately for the Vikings, the offensive line, right. you know, wasn't doing a, a lot of its job. And so from a production standpoint, you know, things weren't always there, but I wouldn't say that that was a running back fault. I think that the running backs actually increased in quality um, while Paul Lamalu was coaching. And I think part of that is just because they could ask the running backs to do more things. The running game diversified uh, in many ways over the years. Talking right now with Arif Hassan uh, from The Athletic, covering all things Minnesota Vikings. Does a great job for it. He's on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now, I did want to ask you about uh, what happened in Minnesota with uh, Jim Harbaugh. It's for everyone on the outside, like us, we were all thinking that's a done deal. He's headed to Minnesota until he wasn't. What, from your understanding, happened with him? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly seemed like he thought that as well, and so that's kind of what made it um, really surprising is because he started telling people, you know, that he was kind of moving in this direction. But actually the Vikings were trying to hold a genuine interview with him and that they didn't know whether or not they were going to commit to him in a big way. And there were just some kind of mixed signals uh, from that perspective. What the Vikings wanted to see from Harbaugh was uh, signs of stability, that, you know, if they hired him, that he was going to be the coach there long term, that they wouldn't have to worry um, about kind of losing him, right? You know, that's, I think, a pretty big concern with somebody like Harbaugh who has been an effective coach but can be pretty volatile at times. And so uh, they wanted some assurances there. I think Harbaugh just kind of thought that the interview was more of a a meet-and-greet than it was an actual interview. Uh, And so, you know, he wasn't prepared for the interview in the same way that the Vikings were and vice versa. So uh, I I think it was just kind of a a difference in understanding and knowing that the Vikings needed to hire someone pretty quickly. They went with their um, probably top candidate, but I, I think that, you know, there's a pretty good argument to be made that Harbaugh was their top candidate until the interview. Now, as far as uh, some of the, the reports that came out about Harbaugh, it was a, a lot of people said he wanted a, a John Gruden-esque type contract. Is that something that you're understanding, too, or is that just, is that just conversation? Uh, it's it's difficult to tell because Harbaugh is currently negotiating with the University of Michigan to, right. to move his contract back up to its previous size, and so leaking that is just really advantageous for him. And so it's kind of difficult to tell what is genuine and what isn't. I, I, I certainly expect something kind of matching the previous contract he had with Michigan, about $8 million a year, which is pretty close, but not quite the same as the Gruden contract in terms of average. But in terms of long-term security, I don't think that that would have been as easy to demand. I, I think that the Vikings probably wouldn't have I folded to that particular demand, and I don't think that, that Harbaugh would have been able to credibly demand it. Yeah, no, that was something that was part of a, a major conversation. Like, yeah, he wanted all those years that, uh, that Gruden was reportedly had on his contract before, obviously, he, he was, uh, had to step down because of the emails that were leaked uh, this past uh, season. Uh, talking right now with Arif Hassan right here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Demond's got a question for you. All right, I know you used to work the XFL beat. So what do you think about the XFL and the NFL partnering up a little bit? 
find that really interesting. I think that, you know, using the XFL to, to really experiment with rules. I mean, the NFL has adapted rules from developmental or alternative leagues all the time. In fact, they adopted AFL rules before the two merged um, with regards, I believe, to the two-point conversion. Uh, and so as they've kind of moved on, they've kind of stolen all these rules. I mean, the NFL always likes to play as if they were only ever the only player in the game. But all of these other rules that have been adopted, um, a lot of them have come from other leagues. And so I really like that they're, they're trying to investigate what the XFL does well from a rules perspective and seeing if they can institute that in the NFL because I think a lot of the innovations and the freedom that the XFL has creates, I think, a bunch of cool opportunities. Plus, you know, if, if that partnership expands even more, you get to connect players with what their true goal is, which is to play in the NFL and I think in a more serious way. Is that what it's going to take for these other leagues to, to be able to survive is that they have to have that partnership with the NFL? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. And the XFL is making it very clear that, you know, they're not uh, purely a developmental league, that they're not, you know, there's no NFL investment. You know, it's just kind of a partnership to, for, for mutual benefit and all that. But um, we'll kind of see what, going forward how the XFL wants to, to treat that partnership, whether they want to make it more serious and make it attached to the NFL or not. Um, but I, I don't really think that that's the case. I just think that. Um, you know, these leagues, they looked like they were doing pretty well. But for the XFL, you know, the, the COVID scare ended their right. league. The AAF investor bungling ended their league. It had nothing to do with the product on the field. Right. Uh, I think it had everything to do with just kind of the way it was handled. I think that there's an opportunity there with or without the NFL's help. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, getting getting the right guys in place, especially with the AAF. I remember I was in uh, Central Texas when that was going on. I was checking out those teams in San Antonio and thought they had something. But uh, like you said, those investors just didn't do them any favors, and then COVID hit, and so that wasn't very easy. Now, with that being said, should there be a developmental league that is attached to the NFL that gives these guys other opportunities besides just, hey, you either make it or you don't in the league? I, I think so, because the, the NFL is, and, and they're pretty open about it, they don't have a lot of time to teach players, right. especially developmental players that are not going to get a ton of reps with the first team. It's really difficult to teach technique in the NFL. It's really difficult to teach technique and scheme beyond that in the NFL, especially for a player um, that plays like the quarterback position. I mean, so some of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever had have come from the USFL. I mean, Steve Young and Jim Kelly are both USFL guys, and I think they really benefited from their ability to play in that league before jumping up to that next level. And so um, I, I think it would be good, especially for these difficult-to-develop positions like tight end, cornerback, and quarterback, um, where, where it's just difficult to, to really get time to coach appropriately and get technique um, for you know, those players to eventually kind of see uh, a bigger payday in the NFL. And Arif, before we let you go, this is fantastic. We do appreciate your time. You, you mentioned quarterback, so i got to ask the big elephant in the room, Kirk Cousins. He's the quarterback. He's made a boatload of money. What does he have to do in Minnesota? What, what's the next, the next step for him? Is there a next step, or, or is, could he possibly be on his way out pretty soon? I think it's pretty likely that the Vikings will find a way to hold on to him, and I think that in order for that to happen, they're going to have to extend him because that cap hit is a bit too egregious. Uh, and that will commit him to the Vikings for the next two or three years. So I think that that's probably what's going to happen, is that they're going to find a way to lower his cap hit, extend him, and commit to a couple more years of Kirk Cousins. Man, that guy has made a lot of money. I don't know the exact yes, numbers. I'm sure you have. But, man, he's made a lot of guaranteed money. If there's one thing he's done right in life is cash checks. He's got those, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's his, own, his own Hall of Fame plaque just for that. Yes, absolutely. No doubt about it. Well, Reef, what do you have coming out on The Athletic that uh, we should be on the lookout for? 
Yeah, I was just able to talk to Ed Donatello, the new defensive coordinator, uh, and I'm going to have a piece kind of breaking down what the Vikings' defense is going to look like. They haven't done a 3-4 in a long time, so I'm excited about it. All right, there it is. Well, Reef, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you, my man, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Oh, no doubt about it. There he is, Arif Hassan, at Harif Hassan, NFL on Twitter. Covers the Minnesota Vikings like a glove for the athletics, so we definitely appreciate his time. And it sounds like uh, Kennedy Palomalu is a, is a pretty good coach and could do some good things with Josh Jacobs, potentially Kenyon Drake, uh, possibly Jalen Richard if they bring him back, or any other running back that could be there in the stable for the silver and black, Alec Ingold. Uh, and I like what he said about pass blocking. I think that that's important. You know, that's one of the big keys, you know, that if you can be a, a, a pass blocking running back you'll stay on the field more you'll be on the field more so if Kennedy really focuses on that a lot as well that's a good hire right there for Josh McDaniels Dave Ziegler and company two three twenty five excuse me is the time when we come back we'll be talking to Ted Nguyen he's also from the athletic he'll be breaking down some film talking some Patrick Graham defense and who fits in his defense and who doesn't we'll find out next here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. There's no big secret to winning football it's just doing what these guys do every game. Just go out and give it your best. Bottom line, I took a team to a Super Bowl and we won. I even had some guys on that team that nobody wanted, but we were a team. And that's what you guys are. You're a football team. That's kind of like a family, except you get to hit each other. But you have to stick together. Do that, you'll be fine. Thanks, Mr. Madden. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 331 is the time here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now it's time to turn our attention to the Raiders and their defense. And to help us do that, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic joins us on the phone lines. And, Ted, thank you so much for your time. You and Tashawn Reed put together a piece with Patrick Graham. The Raiders' defense will make a radical shift in philosophy. And it's funny, when he was hired, a lot of people said, well, he ran the 3-4 in New York, and the Raiders are a 4-3 team. And he reached out to Max Crosby and said, don't worry about it. It's just terminology. We're going to put you in the right position to succeed. But all in all, Ted, what kind of defense should Raider Nation expect to see from Patrick Graham? Yeah, I do think there will be more odd front um, with Patrick Graham than with uh, Gus Bradley. So you'll see some, uh, you know, three-four type of looks. It, it might not be a traditional three-four, but there's different techniques that you use within the three-four too. I, I think the, the the technical side of it is more important. Like if you're going to use more of a gap and half um, technique than a single gap technique, which, which is what the Raiders did with Gus Bradley and allowed defensive linemen to be really aggressive. But if you're going to use a gap and half uh, technique, then you, you're not flying upfield as much. You're trying to control a primary gap and then a secondary gap. So that might take some time for an interior defensive lineman uh, to get to. But I think the thing with um, with Graham is he just, you know, I, I think he does a good job of evaluating the talent that is on the team and then asking, asking them to do things that fit to their strengths. And, um, you know, that's what he did when he got to New York. You know, there when he was with the Patriots and when he, when he was with the – um, the Dolphins, they were a man-heavy team, but when he got to the Giants, uh, they didn't have those corners, and he transitioned into a more of a zone team. So that shows adaptability. And, you know, I, I, that's why I'm not too concerned with guys that fit uh, what he did before. Right. Uh, um, and, yeah, I just think that he will make his scheme fit the players that are on the team. 
So when it comes to guys like Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe, and I think this is what most Raider Nation want to know the answer to, are they going to be able to fit and kind of thrive in this defense, or do you feel like this may be, you know, not an area of concern, but just like they're going to have to figure out how to do what he wants them to do? Uh, like I said, I think that, you know, what he said to Max Crosby is true. I think that he's going to evaluate what they, the strength of what they can do, and he's going to put them in position to succeed, you know. But I, I think there will be some transition. Uh, there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some, there's going to be guys that we have, that the Raiders have to sign or they have to draft that uh, will fit some of the things that he, he wants to do as a defensive coordinator. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be too worried. I don't think that he's going to take the the Raiders star players and and try to fit them into you know a, a peg that they they can't fit into. Right, and that's one of the biggest things that they just got to be able to. He's got to be able to realize exactly what these players do well, and it sounds like that he's going to have the ability to do that. And as far as guys like Denzel Perryman, obviously he was the guy that fit Gus Bradley's scheme. He knew it very well. He made the Pro Bowl. Uh, Casey Hayward, I know he's a free agent. Uh, he he played a hell of a season last year for the Silver and Black. He also was a Gus Bradley guy. Uh, do you think that those guys can – can kind of thrive in this system, and I don't even know if Casey Hayward's going to return or not, but do you think that they could thrive in this system, or do you think that they fit better with what Bradley wants to do? Yeah, they, I mean, they definitely fit what Bradley wants to do because they've played in that system for almost their entire careers. Uh, but as far as linebackers in this system, uh, you need bigger linebackers that can take on blocks when you're running some odd front uh, stuff. So I think Dendel Perriman definitely fits that bill, but Will he be able to learn uh, a new defense, and how well would he be able to call this defense just because you know, he's been so good in that Bradley system for so long? Um, how, how, he, how he's going to adjust to a, a system that he's never uh, run before in his, his career? And as far as Casey Hayward, I just think that he, you, know, you don't want Casey Hayward at his age into a scheme where he has to play man a lot. Uh, but I think, you know, with what Graham did with the Giants and how much zone he played there, um, I just think Casey Hayward's a really smart, intelligent player that is pretty scheme versatile. Uh, but again, like, you know, I don't think he is as quick or as athletic as he was in his younger days. So I think playing in a zone scheme, like, as far as usage-wise, I think, uh, what Graham did with the Giants would fit Hayward's uh, skill set. So I, I think uh, bringing him back would be an important um, thing to do. Talking right now with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got a question for you. Yeah, Ted, in the piece you had a, a little part about how in the goal line situations, Graham's defense uses cover seven frequently. How different is cover seven coverage as opposed to what the Raiders were doing last season in goal line situations? Um. I mean, it's sometimes it's difficult to um, to know exactly what uh, red zone coverages are being used unless you have to call because there's so much that goes on there and it gets so muddy. Uh, but it seems like a lot of the coverage busts that the Raiders had in the red zone were when they tried to play some sort of zone in, in the red zone and there'd be some poor mis- you know communication between one guy and another guy passing through. Uh, so. I think with cover seven is more of a man match coverage where uh, there there does have to be some communication and there has to be a lot of training that goes into it. But when you know you get that stuff down, you're playing tight to routes instead of just kind of hanging out in zone. So you're playing tighter to players. You're doubling and bracketing um, the offense's best guys. So you're making 
uh, players that aren't the number one or number two beat you. I think anytime you do that, you give yourself a better chance to, to win, particularly in that area where matchups are so important. You know, I know that the the uh, Giants' defense wasn't great last season, but my understanding was they were pretty good when it comes to the red zone and, and decent when it came to getting off the field on third down. What what are your understandings from what you saw on film? Yeah, I mean, they just didn't have a lot of talent. I think their pass rush is nowhere near what the Raiders' pass rush um, could be or what, what it was last year. Uh, and obviously that's... A, that's a big deal, and you know, as far as their secondary, didn't have a lot of talent too. Uh, Bradbury is obviously a very talented corner, um, so yeah, I, I just think that injuries and, and a lack of talent had to do more with the Giants' play on defense, and also the offense was really bad. They turned the ball over a lot, and then when Daniel Jones got hurt, it was you know even worse with their back quarterbacks, and uh, they were put in a lot of bad positions. So that's why I don't just want to look at the numbers for right. what the Giants did last year. If you watched the film, I think they uh, played better than the, the, what the numbers showed. And um, I, I think Graham elevated that team, even though the talent wasn't great. You know, you mentioned Bradbury, and I know that the Giants aren't in really good position when it comes to salary cap. We've been talking a lot about J.C. Jackson from the Patriots. Do you see one of those two guys being potentials that the Raiders may look at and say, hey, let's go make a move for him? Because similar to Casey Hayward, knowing Gus Bradley's scheme, this guy Bradbury knows – knows uh, Patrick Graham's scheme really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine that Graham would love to have Bradbury come over and have a few guys that you know he know, he's very familiar with come and play for, uh, play for him. And Bradbury was definitely a standout in his scheme. Uh, and he wouldn't cost as much as J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson is a you know, straight-up lockdown man corner uh, that would fit, you know, obviously anybody would want a guy like that in, in – on their team, but I think he's going to cost like a, a record contract. You know, I think he might end up being um, the highest paid corner ever, especially with the cap going up this year. Well, you know, my mom always said that I have expensive taste. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, go out and spend yeah, all the Ra- money. Raider fans, <laughs> right. Raider fans want Devontae Adams and they want J.C. Jackson. Oh, I know. I know. It costs a lot. <laughs> I may have been the guy that threw that out there, Ted. I'm just saying I may have started that kind of conversation. But as far as what the Raiders need, you know, you mentioned that, that they might have to go out there and get some guys to add to this defense. Um, when you look at who they have right now, what do you what do you look at and say? This is where they need to improve. They need to make sure they go out and get one of these to go ahead and, and fit with this scheme to to help it to to succeed. Yeah, I think the interior defensive line is going to need some more beef. Okay. Um, you know, they last year they went with a lot of um, speed and quickness inside. Uh, Darius Phylon was a, a, a standout and played really well towards the end of the year, but I, I don't know how he's going to come back. Uh, from that Achilles injury, you know, I would imagine he would have to miss a good portion of the season. And who knows if he's going to be 100% um, coming back. And I, I believe he's free agent. I think Hankins uh, fits what Graham wants to do inside really well. Um, Jefferson can, but I don't know if he's going to play nose tackle. He might be kind of a, you might be, you know, trying to play him at one of those um, defensive end spots in a 3 4, which is, you know, head up on a tackle or inside shade of the tackle. Um, Clone Farrell might fit that role, but you know, I, I, who knows how that's, we're, that's asking him to do something he hasn't done before. Um, so I, I think you, you have to add some interior defensive linemen. I definitely think that they need a safety that could play deep. Um, I just don't think that asking Abram to do that is fair for him, and I don't think he would succeed in that role. 
Um, I think Morning is going to play really well, but um, I think that the Raiders definitely need to add a safety or two that they can trust to play deep and play some uh, man-to-man. What do you think about Nate Hobbs? What, what, what do you think fits him best in, in this scheme? Yeah, I, I think Nate could play. Um, I think he could play nickel, obviously. Um, he, he play, I don't think the nickel role would change, uh, be drastically different in this defense than it was in Bradley's defense, um, I think he could play outside if they need him to play outside. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think Hopp will just stick to his position and play corner, in that, nickel corner. That, that's, that's what I, I was kind of thinking, that maybe there's a possibility that he can he can play on the outside. And I know we saw just a small sample size, but I also know he did it in college under Levy Smith, which was a, you know, a pro scheme as well. Uh, do you think he could thrive outside, or, or does he should he play more inside? Uh, you know, I just really like the way that he comes up on the run and he disrupts things, you know, like screens and, and all the things he can do inside. So I think that position fits him best. Um, I, I think he can play outside corner, uh, but we haven't really seen him uh, match up with some of the number one guys out there. I just like the way that he's able to uh, – his physicality inside and the instincts inside are, are really good and, um, you know, made him such a good fit inside. I, I don't think it'd be – wise to move him maybe you expand his role and you could play him in you know in kind of a um a safety role but um i just think that uh yeah his, his instincts inside are what what makes him so good and you, you don't want to lose that in your defense uh, it makes a lot of sense and ted before we let you go i wanted to ask us bradley uh didn't blitz very often it was the raiders were one of the the least amount of blitzing teams probably the last in the league when it comes to blitzes uh how does that change with patrick graham how much more should we uh expect to see the blitz from Graham, yeah, I mean, I, I think Graham doesn't blitz a ton, but he blitzes a lot more than Gus Bradley, and I think a, a lot of defensive coordinators do. Uh, so, I don't, I, but I don't. The thing is, the Raiders, Raiders don't have to blitz to um, create pressure, but I mean, there will be an uptick in, in blitz, blitzing with Graham, uh, but maybe it, it won't be as high as people think it is, just because the Raiders front four is able to get home. There you go. Well, the piece is called with Patrick Graham. The Raiders' defense will make a radical shift in philosophy. Ted Nguyen and Tashawn Reed collaborated on this one on The Athletic. Uh, you got anything coming out uh, else coming out, like maybe on uh, your YouTube page that people should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I'll probably put together a video on, you know, breaking down some plays from Josh McDaniels and Graham and talk about their scheme a little bit. And have an article about uh, Drake London, the USC receiver, coming out soon. Nice. I like it. Well, Ted, thank you uh, as always, man. Great stuff. Great breakdown. Good piece that you and Tashawn put together. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, there he goes. Ted Nguyen from The Athletic does a fantastic job breaking down film and uh, enjoy him being on us uh, with us on Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Got a text real quick. We'll take a break. Uh, Big Dub Raider said, any chance the Raiders go after Jesse Bates from the Bengals? Think, think he'll fit well with Trayvon Merrick, go Raiders. Uh, Jesse Bates is a, is a player, man. I, I know he's concerned that he thinks Cincinnati may franchise him, but uh, he's a heck of a player. I think that I think that all avenues should be exhausted, if that makes sense. I think that they should definitely be open to any kind of playmakers that are out there available. Uh, like like Ted said, that you know guys like J.C. Jackson and Devontae Adams, obviously they're going to cost a lot of money. Um, those are the kind of guys that I'm looking for first, but uh, you don't necessarily have to spend a ton of money to get really good players. You may be able to get some other guys, and maybe uh, Bates is, is a guy like that. So I think that uh, they should have interest in all these guys, really. I mean, because, again, I don't think this is a team that – 
uh, should be thinking about, well, we're going to build this thing for the future. Instead, it should be like, hey, we have an opportunity to go ahead and win this thing. Let's go do it. That's that's what I think their mentality should be, regardless if you believe that or not. That's how I think that they should think. So thank you so much for that text, Big Dub Raider. We appreciate you. 345 is the time. We'll come back. We'll close out the show. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Been having a fast and furious show. A lot of great guests that we had on today's show. We kicked things off with Tony Pauline talking all things combine and NFL draft. We talked to Chris Primetime Colbert talking about his fight going up against Garcia on Saturday night at the Cosmopolitan. Arif Hassan, he joined us talking all things Minnesota Vikings, in particular Kennedy Palomalu, who is now the running back coach for the Silver and Black. And then we just wrap things up with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic talking all things uh, film breakdown of the Raiders defense. So that's how it rolls sometimes, man. We just have a fast and furious show. Uh, sometimes these guests come to us and we really don't know that it's it, you know when it's going to happen but uh all of a sudden we get hit up and it's like hey uh that would be a really good guest to have on so sometimes we go very guest heavy and other times we just have plenty of time to conversate but uh had some really good feedback i do appreciate you on the salmon ash text line at 69187 keyword r and also uh the rare nation listener line at 702-365-9200 uh talking about the one off-season move that you would love to see the raiders make and the one off-season move that you would hate to see the Raiders make. Got a lot of great feedback on that. We'll get to a couple texts to close out the show. But first, let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line and talk to our guy, North Cal Raider. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q, how you doing? Good, man. Blessed. Hey, yesterday I was waiting for you guys to transfer me down at the end of the show. Um, you guys were talking about Stevie B. I'm actually going to a concert here in Sacramento in a couple <laughs> weeks, uh, a freestyle concert. I wanted to chime in so bad and just you guys ended up closing the show. I'm like, oh, man, I wanted to chime in so bad on that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, um, the, only, the only thing is, uh, I keep hearing trades about, um, you know, about trading for uh, about um, Derek Carr or Rogers, and I hope we stay away from that kind of stuff. Um, I just think that right now we're kind of in the first quarter when it comes to like our new transition with our coach and our GM. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should be more conservative because a lot of those teams that were built and they won championships, all they needed was a quarterback, and that was it. They had a receiver, they had the tackles, and everything. Um, we we still have a little bit of work, you know. I think if we ever, we end up doing something like that, it should be probably maybe two three years from now when um when we have our you know our star receiver and star running back and everything's all stocked up and then we can just make a make a uh you know a different a different change in the quarterback and and that in that sense and also with the defense, um I think we should just get an experienced uh, corner or or draft one. Um, you notice that this this past year we were really good on defense because um our inside linebackers were playing very well and um we we need a we need to replace some of our you know, like our, our guys that, you know, like Littleton and them, you know, in the draft. So, so that's my biggest thing. I think the quarterbacks are overrated. I think we, you just need a good tackler, somebody that can just cover the guy. But you don't need a shutdown corner and spend hell of money on that. You could you just need to get the front line fixed because we have a lot of – we still have some holes in the front line. That's what I think. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Hey, great call, my man. I can tell you're all Bay Area. My man said hella. That's how you know, Damon. I just want you to know. Uh, hella is a key word. That's a that's one of those that you know where my man is from when he says hella. I uh, when I first got to Texas, I said that because that was something that was just uh, in my vocabulary all the time. I always said hella, and they said, "Oh yeah, you're from the West Coast. <laughs> you're not from here. You say hella." So a uh, shout out to NorCal Raider. 
<laughs> Shout out to NorCal Raider uh, for that right there. And you bring up some good points, man. And uh, I would love to see a lockdown corner, but maybe you're right. Maybe they don't need a lockdown corner, just somebody that can be so- strong and solid on the outside. Uh, maybe a guy like Bradbury. We were talking to, uh, to Ted Nguyen about it. Bradbury is a guy in New York that knows uh, the scheme of, of Patrick Graham. And you saw what it did for Casey Hayward last season. You know, knowing the scheme, he was able to go out there and execute and have a hell of a season. I feel like you probably need someone that can – thrive in that scheme and kind of already knows it that's why i i kind of I, well i look at cj jackson and i'm being greedy i want that guy uh but uh also looking at uh at, at bradbury could be a guy that that you could be happy and feel comfortable with him in that role as well thank you so much for that call uh who's up next amon jared right here in the 702 hey jared what's on your mind welcome to the show hey q what's going on man uh Man, I was all about what the caller was about to say, and then he came at Carr. <laughs> but what is up with these guys and Derek Carr? Can't they love the man that we have? Like we get this guy gets no appreciation. I mean, can he get respect for the dumpster fires that he's had to put out in the last couple of years in his whole eight years career? Man, he has has been above the fray the whole time and he has to dodge bullets grenades darts <laughs> ammunition everybody's throwing it at him man personally i went through that little phase but car is the man bro after this year after what he went through i i don't believe another quarterback unless his name is tb12 would have handled it the way the car did we need to Come together and love this man because when he takes us to the promised land and he's taking us to the promised land, it's going to be a wonderful ride. And it's so much easier to love car than to hate him. Let's give this guy some damn car insurance, please, in the form of a real wide receiver, whether it be Calvin Ridley or somebody else. Don't, we don't have to break the bank. I get it. But man. Show Carr some love. He loves the Raiders. Can the nation show him some love? Thank you, bro. Hey, man, love the call. Love the passion right there. Jared right here in the 702 showing that love to Derek Carr. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, hey, I agree. I started off the show talking about what Derek Carr has been able to do and maintain the whole time he's been in the league and stay the same person and, and, and comfortable in his own skin. And, and I can respect that in a major way. And I'll say this. You said car insurance. And – I remember when the Raiders had that dominant offensive line and everyone said that's car insurance. You know, when you had uh, Donald Penn, when you had Kelechi Assembly, when you had Rodney Hudson, when you had Gabe Jackson, and then you always had a question at the right tackle position, but someone was able to hold it down. When you had that solid offensive line and that were one of the best in the business, I, hey man, that's that's what you need, and that's what you know. That's what Indianapolis is or has done with their offensive line. Of course, the Cowboys have done it for many years, having a solid offensive line. We all know, man, it starts in the trenches. I know I'm a I'm a guy that that I look at the the position, the skill positions, and I'm like, yeah, that's what you need, but. Man, it's, it's in the trenches. You've got to have that O-line. And so I, I look at it like, and this is why I've been talking about the O-line, uh, I don't want to ever sound disrespectful to Alex Leatherwood. Uh, I just think we know what he is. You know what I'm saying? And maybe 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 someone else, uh, maybe Cecilio is going to uh, go in there and say, hey, no, this guy can be uh, a tackle and he's going to be solid. If he's going to be a strong 
guard, I'm fine with that. Just go and get that tackle because just like Jared just said, you've got to have car insurance. That's not just the skill position. It's not just a player. That's also the offensive line. You've got to have protection, not to mention what that'll do for the running game. You saw when the running game finally started cooking, the Raiders were able to execute more on offense. They can't execute if they don't have a run game. I know it's not going to be the same exact offense as what we've seen the last few years under Gruden and, and um, you know, uh, Rich Basaccia and Greg Olson and company, but it's still fundamentals. Fundamentals don't change. You still have to protect your quarterback. You still got to make sure that you hold him down. So uh, really good call, my man. I do appreciate you. I had a text that I wanted to get to uh, in the final minute of today's show, and let me see where is it at. Now I'm probably going to lose it. I believe it was from – oh, dang it. Here we go. I'm about to lose it. I'm under pressure. Oh, come on, man. Hey, dog, I got it. Don't worry about it. Mailman Raider hit me up and said, I'd love to see a playmaker at any position brought in, whether it be from free agency or the draft. Would hate to see them not pick up the extension of the key players. Let the rest of the league see us take care of our own. Uh, really good text right there from Mailman Raider. That's a great way to close things out. Be safe out there while you're uh, delivering that mail. My man, I know it's tough out there on us delivery guys, and I say us because I'm part of the fraternity. Once a delivery man, always a delivery Nobody man. says that. I say it. I say it. That's all that matters. <laughs> I say it all that, that's all that matters, and I know what else is all that matters. Is Vinny Bonsignor is coming up next. He's going to close things out strong for the next two hours uh, in the huddle. He'll hold it down. He'll answer every question that you have, Raider Nation. Light up the phone lines and light them up now, 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.